Well, good evening. Everybody still alive and well? Check your pulse. It's all good. How many of you got to attend the service a couple of weeks ago where we tried to unpack a little part of hurts, wounds, non-understandings? Some of you, if you caught the first service, you caught a lot of blubbering. Caught the second service, you didn't hear quite as much. How many? How many did not get to hear that? If so I want to do part B. I'm going to bring you up to date for those who didn't hear part A. We were in a series talking about Jesus being Lord of all. You do understand he is Lord of all. Regardless of whether he's Lord of anything in you or me, doesn't negate the fact he's still Lord of all. Hello? Is that right? Is that true? That's good doctrine right there. The rest of what I may tell you may not be good doctrine, so don't write it down and memorize it. I have thoughts. Is it okay if I'm not right? I'm okay with it. You see, I don't have an audience of many. I have an audience of one. And I'm responsible for what I say, but I also feel a great responsibility to him. He's my audience. And I... I just want to share what he's doing in me. But, you know, if you hadn't checked, it's still at 55. I don't have it all. If you think I do, you're sadly mistaken. It just doesn't work that way. It's okay. I'm not bothered by that. I've been saved over 40 years, and I'm still learning. Anybody uh, come last, last Breathe Conference and hear Sean Bowles? Okay, that dude operates in another level. That's That's... That's another atmosphere, stratosphere, some sphere. And it's okay with me. He's younger than I am, but he's, it's okay with me. I'm reading his book right now. A friend of mine gave me his book, and I have to read about a page at a time, put it down and go, oh, Jesus. Whew, that's stretching me. I don't know anything about that. He goes, I know. He says, it's okay. I'm not mad. We've got to get past this place that we think God's mad and we can't talk to him about areas. One of the areas that I brought up to you a couple Sundays ago was when David went to get the ark after he became king. Saul and uh, his son Jonathan and the whole crew were killed at battle, and then David had been anointed king years before this. Saul chased him around trying to kill him because he was jealous, and now David actually accepts the kingdom. And his first mission is to bring in the very presence of God which in that day and time was in the ark. Anybody see Raiders of the Lost Ark? You got to get an idea, it was that box. Why was the presence of God defined to that box? Why could the high priest only go in once a year? You read any of the Old Testament, I don't preach a lot out of the Old Testament. I do love all the stories, don't get me wrong. I'm just not living in that covenant. I don't know about you, if you want to go back and live in that covenant, go for it. It wasn't a good covenant. There's a much better one. Hebrew says the one we're in is much better. I focus a lot on the new covenant, but the old covenant gives types and shadows of the new. So there's things we can glean out of. It's not just a history lesson. They're actually what God does in those things really is powerful for us. But I like the new covenant, and I like to talk about with G from Jesus on. Just my personal favorites. But anyway, I, I brought to the table why in the world would God contain himself to a box? 
and one canoe, the only high priest going once a year, and they had to tie a rope around his foot just in case it didn't go well. Anybody volunteering to be the high priest? Me either. I like you go in, you talk, come back and tell me what he said. The box was lost. Hophni and Phinehas, who were the sons of Eli, had this brilliant idea that if God is in this box, we can take the box out to battle and we will win automatically. The bad part is, is their hearts were so far from God it didn't work. They lost the ark. It went out to the Philistines. And by the time it comes all the way back, uh, it's at a, a house at Abinadab. And his sons, he has two boys, Ohio and Uzzah. And the ark is in their home. And they grow up around the ark. And David becomes king. And he goes, I want the presence of God. This is the shepherd boy who knows about the presence of God. This is who God said, this is a boy after my own heart. With me? In the process of that, he puts 30,000 people together. They go get the ark. In the midst of getting the ark, Uzzah, they put it on a cart. Uzzah steadies it somewhere along the trip because the oxen stumble, and God strikes him dead on the spot. And David becomes livid. At who? God. So one of the points I wanted to make last time when we talked about this, and then I'll pick up from there, because I want to show you how the enemy, what he is up to. I want to show you from a satellite view what he's trying to do to everyone in this room right now. And I cannot tell you, he's highly successful. What he's after is your relationship with God. And he will use anything, anything to get it. And you have to say to yourself, why? Now, I want you to think for just a second. You remember in the old covenant where he got to go in to the throne room of God and accuse Job? Remember that? And he got to tell God, well, it's only because you're protecting him. If you took all that safety away from him, he would curse you. Remember all that? Do you recognize he doesn't get to do that anymore? That's why it says better covenant, hello? I want to show you what he is doing. He doesn't have the right to do that anymore. Some preachers are still preaching that he gets to go in and accuse us to God. Did you know he got stripped 2,000 years ago of everything? Do you remember in the garden when Jesus was actually into the wilderness, when Jesus was out there 40 days fasting and praying? And you know, remember what Satan offered him? There were three things, but in one of those he offered him, hey, dude, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you everything you see. This kingdom is mine. Where did he get that? Adam gave it to him. That's why he had a right to go stand in heaven and accuse Job. Whose place was he standing in? Adam's. If you go over to Hebrews, this will shock you. If you go over to Hebrews chapter 8 and 9 and start reading and just read between the lines and read and digest, it says when Jesus died, he, when he, remember when he presented his blood to the Father? Remember this? And it was accepted? 
It says right in there, he cleansed the heavens. Excuse me? Cleansed the heavens of what? The very spot where Satan stood in Adam's spot needed cleansing. And he did it with his blood. What did he do? He stripped him. He went to hell, took all death, hell, and the grave, whipped him to the core, made him an open spectacle. So all of a sudden, we find Satan powerless, dethroned, and no authority over the earth. Right? That's good doctrine. Don't throw that out. That's good doctrine. All right? Now you find Satan today. What is he doing today? What I showed you a couple Sundays ago is what he's trying to do in, in David's life. When you have a tragedy or what he was actually the portal or the, the place that he was using in David's life was an, a lack of understanding. He'll use those portals, a tragedy or a lack of understanding of what God is doing, and he'll use that to whip you. And he'll mentally beat you until you go, I don't want to serve God anymore. He'll, those are the portals he came after David. That was the access that he had to him. As soon as Uzzah was struck down, I guarantee you, the devil was on the spot. Woo, dude, man, I told you you couldn't trust him. I mean, he's ghostly. He's, 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 you just can't trust him. He's bad, man, I'm telling you. He tells you he's going to do good things, and look what happened. I mean, you got all set up for a party, and what are you doing? You're attending a funeral. Now, isn't this just a fine how you do it? I'm, I'm telling you, this is how God operates. I've known him a lot longer than you have, David. I'm just telling you, this is the way he is. You ever heard that voice? You go through a tragedy, you will. You get in a spot where you don't understand what God's doing and it doesn't appear he's on your side. This is the voice you'll hear. And that's the voice David heard. But David knew better. So tonight, what I'm going to show you not only in tragedy and not only in misunderstanding, there's another access. What actually happened from this point on, the devil set David up. He knew he didn't have him, but I'm going to show you something where I believe he set him up. And David fell. You ready? Up to date? All right. Open your Bibles. Go to 2 Samuel. We'll pick up where that, that story ends where Uzzah's dead, David's mad. The party's ended. The funeral is on. That's 2 Samuel chapter 6. David's mad at God. Is it okay to be mad at God? If you have a real relationship with God, it's okay. Okay? Just means you have, there's a place that there's non-understanding. You have a non-understanding issue. In your relationship, I've been married to Jenny Drop for 33 years, 33 and a half, 33 and three quarters, 33 something. Do you know she gets mad at me? Shocking, I know. But there are times she's highly livid. I've never been mad at her. I would like for you to go tell her. You know why? We have a real relationship. It's really cool. You can't make up unless you get mad. Making up's the best part. Some of you ought to try it. It's really good. What's this? Now, what I'm going to unveil to you tonight in the next few minutes 
I'm going to show you two more accesses or two more portals or two more places that the enemy loves to set us up. What I'm trying to do is give you a full-blown view of what he's after. Okay, now he's been stripped. I told you all that. He's been stripped of all his power. He's left on the earth. He's already been told his end. Do you know he knows the end? You know he knows where he's going. So if you were in his shoes, what would you do? I'd try to steal every relationship from God with people I could. And he starts with, first off, if he can get you not to accept Jesus, he'll do everything he can. That'd be the stupidest decision you ever made. Don't do that. Don't get up. Don't down that aisle. Don't talk to them people. Don't pray. This would be ridiculous. I mean, you'll lose all your friends in one shot. I mean, you're going to lose a whole life. I mean, you're going to be miserable. Anybody else heard that voice? Hello? Anybody else heard that voice? That's the voice. He's trying to keep you from doing something for God. If he can't keep you from doing that, then he starts what? Ooh, I, I don't have this fully on. Can I just share something with you I'm thinking? Is that all right? I don't, have, I don't have the full revelation, and I don't have this. This is just thinking. You ever read Galatians? I think it's three or four. It's over there where they list all the things that you can't do. You can't commit adultery. You can't. You can't uh, commit fornication. You can't lie. You can't cheat. You can't steal. You can't do all this. If you do, you can't inherit the kingdom of God. Anybody ever read those verses? Okay, I read those verses. Did you notice you can't have an inheritance unless you're a child? Hello. We've always said. Well, that means you're not going to heaven. I'm thinking out loud for a second. Some of you are going to rattle your cage. How do you get an inheritance if I'm not one of the sons or daughters? He said you can't inherit the kingdom of heaven. Where was the kingdom of heaven intended to be? You don't need to inherit the kingdom of heaven when you're there because you're already there. You already got it all. Where we need the kingdom of heaven is here. How come we don't get to inherit the kingdom of heaven if we're living in adultery or fornication or we're, we're lying, cheating, stealing, doing all the, you know, the list of the things, you know, you can't smoke, chew, and go with those who do. <laughs> Ever heard that? It's always about you need to improve your life. You need to get better at what you're doing. You need to work harder. You need to bear down. Lie. See, I'm not trying to transform myself from the outside in. I'm trying to transform myself from the inside out. I expose darkness to light, so light overcomes darkness. And the enemy will set you up in this way to say, you can't talk to God about the things that are in your heart, really, because he'll be mad. He already knows. That's the voice of the enemy. You know why you don't inherit the kingdom of heaven on earth when all those things are happening in your life? Because you got the door open to the thief, and he's stealing your entire kingdom of heaven. He'll steal your health. He'll steal your peace. He'll steal your joy. He'll replace it with anxiety. He'll replace it with fear. He'll replace it with anger. He'll replace it with resentment. And he'll say, it's God doing it to you. That was worth the price of admission right there. If that don't light your fire, your wood is wet. You need some lighter fluid. You go back and read Galatians. It's not talking about your salvation. It's talking about your inheritance. Your inher Anybody ever had their inheritance stolen? Mm, I have. My dad passed away. 
he didn't set up a really good will. So my stepmom with her children, it didn't go well. It didn't go well. It's pretty agitating. It's all right. I'm trying to love them. Maybe. <laughs> you know what the body of Christ doesn't know anything about? Inheritance. It's not a real topic we're well versed on. But I'm telling you this, when Jesus said, it is finished what was finished, the making the open spectacle of him, stripped him, took all the deed that he had to the earth back. What? And Jesus comes back a few days later and says, all authority in heaven and earth is mine. Go therefore, what I just said, in that and change the world. I got the deed back. The deed's back to you. What was given to Adam is now given to you. We need to learn about our inheritance because he will steal everything that you open the door to. If you open the door to adultery, let me tell you what comes with that. Shame, guilt, but only that, he'll steal all your money. They're tied. I can prove it to you in Scripture all over. You start opening the door to uh, some fears, anxiety will rush in. I mean, he'll, he'll set up tent wherever you kept crack the door open to. I'm going to show you that in David's life. So the Galatian thing's free. I'm still mulling on it. I'm still going through it. Don't go out of here saying, you know, Jeff's got a new doctrine. I'm just telling you there's something to that that we don't know. But I'm telling you this. When you crack open the door to the devil, don't think for one moment he's going to be nice to you. He's going to slap you around and tell you that God did this to you. God's not blessing you because you're a scumbag. No, God wants to bless you while you were a scumbag. Do you remember what Romans said? While you were a scumbag, I loved you. Okay? We're on the same page? I'm trying to give you a picture of what the devil's doing today. He's stealing from us and telling us it's God. He's a liar. He's been a liar from day one. He's still lying today, and he's lying to us, and it works. So he came to David. He tried to lie to him. David didn't buy it. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 9. David was afraid of the Lord that day. Me too. And then he asked this question. How can the ark of God come to me? He wants what? He wants the presence. So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obadidim, the Gittite. Good for Obadidim. The ark of the Lord remained at the house of Obadidim, the Gittite, for three months, 90 days. There's something about that. Maybe somewhere down the line when I preach, I'll, I'll get on the 90-day thing. I'll show you some things I've seen there. I've had some personal things happen in 90 days. Pretty amazing. Anyway, picks up and says, and the Lord blessed Obadidim's house and all his household. Why? Because that's what the presence of God does. God wants to give you a picture of who he is and a picture of who the devil is tonight. He wants you to know when he's there, all the blessings flow. When the devil's there, all the stealing starts. It's not rocket science. You don't need a degree in this. You don't need to go test it. It's just real. Watch. Now, it was told to King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obadidim and all that belongs to him because the ark of God. So David went up and brought the ark of God. So how did God get David to go get the ark within 90 days? He made him jealous. 
This is what he'll do to you. He wants to pour his blessing, his love, his wonderfulness, everything he's got out on. He wants to entice you to do what? Know his goodness. There's preachers all over the land telling you how bad God treats you. I just drives me bananas. I'm like, I don't know which one you know, but that's not the one I know. Well, I'm not being blessed. It's not God. It's the devil robbing you. Shut the dang door. You don't want him in your life, shut the door. I'm telling you, God's trying to overwhelm me. He says, I loved you while you were yet sinner, so you got saved. I stopped loving you while you sin. No. 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 He's crazy about you today, regardless of going on. I'm going to show you right here. Watch, we're about to hit it. Where David overcame a tragedy and still got the presence. How did God do it? He did it through enticing him with his goodness. Anybody heard this verse? It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. It was for me. I don't know how it works for you, but when I stumble into his goodness, it melts me. I told you I was mad at God for three years after a tragedy, after an issue, after I lost all my friends in one day except for one couple, and I was highly livid, just like David right here. I was not just mad. I was livid. And at that point, it about cost me my marriage, and I told Jenny, hit the road, Jack. I don't care if you come back. I'm mad, and I'm mad with you too. Three years later, cost me three years, I'm sitting in the balcony of a church, and the goodness of God overwhelms me. It melted me on the spot. That's what he did to David. And David goes, I want your presence. He goes, I know, come get it. He said, how do I do it? He found out you can't carry it on a cart. You got to carry it by the priest. They got to sacrifice, so watch what David does. So verse 13, so it was when those who were bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, they sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all of his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod, which we know nothing about. And so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark with shouting and trumpets, and man, the party was on. Watch verse 16. Now the ark of the Lord came into the city of David. Michael, Saul's daughter. Who is she? That's David's wife, is number one. I'm not going into 2, 3, 4, and 12. I'm going into number one. I don't understand 2, 3, 4, and 12, why one man would want to take on multiple wives. He's lost his mind. I hadn't figured out the one I got, much less taking on multiple. I still shake my head over that. And she's looking at me and saying, I wouldn't want multiple of you either. I guarantee you that. I told her the other day, you know, she's turned 50. I said, I, careful, I might trade you in for a couple of 25s. She said, go for it. <laughs> Good luck with that, hot rod. I said, ain't no way. I got you trained. She goes, you think you have me trained. I'm like, okay, you're right. So he comes in the city of David. Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping, whirling before the Lord, and she did what? She despised him in her heart. We'll come back to that in a minute, pick up, because there's some really good stuff in the, in the middle of this. This is, uh, this is an argument that's coming. Anybody married, had an argument? I'm about to show you a really good one. But this one's deep. And the enemy's using it 
as a portal to steal the relationship of God. What is he after? He wants to steal your inheritance, and he wants to ultimately get your relationship totally removed where you do nothing with God. You totally get separated, and you don't have, he has no effect in your life. That's what he's ultimately after because, look, he has no recourse against the Father. He can't go into the throne room and slap God around. He can't go, hey, come here, Dad. I mean, you can't be doing this in the air. He has no authority. He is, he's a lion. You remember what it says? He's like a roaring lion. He has no teeth. He's trying to gum you to death. That's what he's doing. But when he roars, we pee in our pants. It just happens. We are, I mean, the hair on the back of our head stands up. Oh, my God, the devil's after me. You know, if I just don't have a relationship with God, maybe the devil will leave me alone. No, that means they already got you. Am I being too crude? I'm trying to give you a picture. This is real. This is what he wants. When he couldn't steal a relationship with David through tragedy and non-understanding, 90 days later, he had the ark. He had to come up with a new plan. What was the new plan? He attacked him in an area of weakness. I'm about to show you. It's going to shock you. Before I get to that, watch. Where did he meet Michael? This cute little thing that's beside him. Where did he meet her? Anybody know the story? I'm going to take you there. This is the coolest story. Anybody in sales? You're going to like this. Um, go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'll come back to uh, verse 20 in just a minute. But go to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 22. This is so cool. Now, this is when David was a little shepherd boy. He's a young little peep squeak out there in the field taking care of the sheep. Remember that? Remember he was, didn't get called to when the big boys got called in with, I mean, with Samuel. He didn't get called because he was out with the sheep. We'll go into that in a second. Watch. David was out in the field, verse 17, or chapter 17, verse 22, and David left his supplies in the hand of a supply keeper and ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. This is what dad, his dad, Jesse, said. Hey, David, I need you to leave the sheep in those guys' hands. I want you to take this stuff, and I want you to go to the battle where they're, where they're fighting the Philistines, and I want you to deliver. He had some goods for him, and I want you to deliver. And David's like, oh, yeah, man, I want to go down where the battle's going on. So he did. He left all that. And then as he talked with his brothers, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name. And he came out, and he did what? You know, he's boasting, he's hollering, he's spitting and sputtering, he's cursing. And he comes out, and, uh, and he spoke according to the same, uh, see, by life by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled, for they were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, have you, have you seen this man who comes up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and uh, it shall be, now watch, they're telling David, what's going to happen to the man who kills this guy? All right? Anybody know anything about incentive plans? I mean, if you interview for a sales job, you better know about the incentive plan. I want to know, do I win a trip to Hawaii if I sell all that? I won that trip. That was fun. That was a good trip. 
Uh, you went a trip to Red Rock Canyon in Arizona, just you and your wife. Got my second hole in one on that trip. That was fun. I won a trip when I lived in Texas in the summer to Aspen. That was a fun trip. If you're in sales, you want to know about incentives. Watch. So they're telling David, the man who kills the, the, the man who kills him, the king will do one, give him great riches. That's good. Can you give me a dollar figure on that? Great riches. Whatever that sounds better than where David's been. Two, you also get his daughter. Ooh, the gold and the girl. It's a love story in the making, isn't it? Three, your father's house never has to pay another tax the rest of your life. Anybody ever had an incentive? I'd like Obama to call me and say, now listen, if you sell, you never have to pay tax again to Colorado or, would that be an incentive? I might go talk to somebody over that. That'd be a great incentive. But he said, you get great riches, you get to have what? You get the girl and no taxes. David's like, watch what he says. Then David spoke to the man who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills the man and fulfills things? Takes away what? And for this uncircumcised Philistine, he defies the armies of the living God. This little 16, 17, 15, whatever he is, bows up. And he starts, he's defying the armies of God. And the guy around him said, no, no, no. What shall happen to him is exactly what we said. Now watch what happens. I'm trying to show you a portal or an access that the enemy is about to use through Michael. This is how he met her. By the way, it wasn't, wasn't Michael. Michael had an older sister. There was two girls. Who was David best friends with with Saul's son, Jonathan? Remember that? They had a really good relationship. Well, Jonathan happened to have two sisters. Michael was not the oldest. She was the second one. About the time after David kills Goliath, you know the end of the story, he kills Goliath. He gets, the, he gets all this stuff. He's ready to receive the daughter. And he gives the oldest daughter, Saul gives the oldest daughter to somebody else. And he hates David. And then it's reported to him, don't have time to go to that scripture, but it's reported to him in 1 Samuel 18 that Michael is in love with David. And he goes, that's awesome. Instead of David getting a dowry together because everything he has, I'm about to give to him. So I'm going to be giving him something he gives back to me. I'll make him go kill 100 Philistines. If he can kill 100 Philistines and prove that he did it, bring him back. I'll give him Michael. He said, what will happen is those 100 Philistines will wipe that little boy out. He ain't got enough rocks in his pocket to take them down. What he didn't know is he had the presence of God with him. He went out, killed 100 Philistines, brought proof back to him, and boom, he gives him Michael. Michael is in love with David. It's a beautiful love story. And she gets wind that Saul is going to kill David in the middle of the night in his own house. And Michael's so in love with him, she lets him out the window, protect his life, and sends him on his way. Saul is livid. He gives Michael to another man on a political move. When David becomes king, his first thing is he wants the presence of God back. Before he goes to get the ark, he commands Michael to come back to him. This is a 15 to 16-year-old boy, now 10 years later, who's still in love with a little girl who was his first love. 
she doesn't come back to him as the way she left him. Something has happened to her. She's different. Want to see it? Go back to verse 20 out of 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 20. Remember, right before this, it says she despised him in her heart. Watch. <laughs> verse 20 says, watch. Then David returned to bless his household. Who's in it? Michael. And Michael, the Saul, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David. And watch what she says. Out of her mouth, she reveals what's in her heart. It happens every time. All you have to do is listen to somebody for a lengthy period of time. They'll tell you what's in their heart. It'll slip right out here. This thing's slippery. It's wet. When it's wet, things slide out. Just get around them long enough. They'll, it's just wet enough. It's slip. It'll go right out. You can fake it for a little while. You can, oh, bless the Lord. All is well. I'm madder than the dickens, but it's going to be good, I know. Why don't you just say you're mad? I'm mad. Watch what happens. She looks at David and says, how glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants. As one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michael, it was before the Lord, honey, who chose me instead of your father and all of his house to appoint me ruler of all the people over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord, and I will even be more undignified than this. And I will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. Therefore, Michael was barren the rest of her life. What did that girl say? She told you she lost her relationship with the Lord. How did she lose it? The exact same way her daddy lost it. They cared more about what others thought than what God thought. That's a portal. That's an access that the enemy will use if you care more about what others think about what you are doing you will devalue what God says, and the enemy will steal your relationship. It doesn't happen some of the time. It happens every time. Pay attention to how sensitive you are to what others think. This little girl, when she was given away to another man, something happened in that relationship, in that giving. Her relationship with God died. And she became very sensitive, just like her daddy did. He lost the kingdom over this one thing. You know what would have happened if they would have repented? They'd have gotten it back. But she never did. She lived the rest of her life in more concern of what others thought than what God thought. But you know what? David never lived his life that way. He was more concerned about what God thought than what anybody else thought. And the presence dwelt everywhere he went. Watch that portal. Watch that access because the enemy wants to get into our hearts through what other people think. Who cares? I can tell you in the body of Christ, a lot of people care. 
I've been a pastor. I've lived in a glass house. You, that enemy will knock on your door as soon as you become a senior pastor and you get into the glass house and everybody's watching and 1,200 people walk in the door and they all have a different opinion what this ought to be. Really difficult for that time to say, God, what are you thinking? For those who do, doesn't matter what, other, you know, well, so-and-so is going to leave. Bye. See ya. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. I'm going for the presence of God. That's all I want. Don't care. Doesn't mean I'm insensitive. Just means my headset like flint. I want God's presence. I'm not perfect and I'm not right on every topic, but I can guarantee you this. I will not trade the grace and the mercy and the love of God for any of the works of God. Not ever going to do it. I'm sticking to that. And if you want to argue on that, okay. Work your way there. Didn't do so well for the rich young ruler who had done them all except one. Didn't do him any favors. I'm going for the grace because I need a lot of it. Can you see how Michael got trapped by the enemy? And she lost her most precious relationship. Then she lost her husband. And then what do you think he said, what the devil told her? He's just a jerk. He's so full of pride. He's so arrogant. You see the way he danced. Don't misjudge what you do for God from that point on. How did this work in David's life? The second portal and the other one I want you to see, and this is the one that's most sensitive to me because this is one I've lived. Not only have I lived the tragedy and the hurt and all the pain, but the other part of this right here, did you see what she was doing to David? What was she doing to David? Think with me. Open up your mind for a second. What is she actually doing? She's rejecting him. She's using rejection to get him to come back in line. Anybody ever had rejection to get you corrected? Yeah, well, most of you may think it's manipulation if I just talk to you to death and I yell at you. You know, silent treatment's the same thing. It's on the same stick. They'll beat you on both sides. Well, if you're going to act that way. I tried this one on Jenny. It just didn't work. <laughs> she tried to talk me to death. I tried to put her in silent treatment. We both realize that's manipulation. It's a form of rejection. Why is she using rejection on David? Because this is his greatest area of weakness. This is where he's most sensitive. You want me to prove it to you? Okay, good. I'm glad you asked. All right, let's go back to that Samuel story when he's talking about the incentive package and what I'm going to get when I kill who? And I'm going to get what? I'm going to get great riches. I get the girl and I don't have to pay taxes on this money? Dude, this is a great plan. I'm, give me some rocks. I'm going down and take it. Well, what happened is that word got back to the king and the king called him up and then he went out and killed, killed Goliath. Watch in the middle of this. Watch what happens. I'm not sure what verse, because I didn't, I didn't list them here. Somewhere down where it says, now Elab, his oldest brother. Verse 28. Watch what Elab does. Now, when Elab heard David talking like this, Elab, his oldest brother, heard him spoke to the, speaking to the men, and Elab's anger was aroused at David. Watch what he did. Why did you come down here, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Sounds really encouraging, doesn't it? You little pimp, you little punk, come here. I'm going to slough you around. What would you do with them sheep? Well, he was with them sheep. Why would you come down here? Watch this, watch this. 
I know your pride mm. and the insolence of your heart, for you've come to see the battle. Look at David's cry back to him. What have I done now? What have I done now? Doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what I do. I get attacked. And then it finishes with this. Now when the words of David spoke were heard, they reported him to Saul, and he went out and sent for him, and he went and killed Goliath. Why did his brother do this? Because David had been rejected his whole life. He wasn't called when Samuel called the boys. He didn't get called. That's what? Care how you add it up, that's rejection. Do you know why I believe? Can't prove, I can prove it in some parts of Scripture. It may be your interpretation of what I'm about to read you. But David didn't have the same mama as the rest of the boys. That's why he's tending the sheep. That's why he's doing the lowliest of jobs. That's why he's, why aren't you out there with them little sheep, you little punk? Why don't you come down here to be prideful, arrogant? They already knew he'd been anointed. A little jealousy here. What is he using to get David back in? He's trying to, the enemy's using Elib's mouth. He's trying to do what? Suppress him, get him away from the presence of God, get him away from that relationship. Let me just tell you how David wrote back in Psalms 51. This is what he wrote about his conception. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Do you know, in light of marriage, when a couple has a child, that's not sin? There's no iniquity there? That's by God's design? And he says, that's not the way I was conceived and born. What do you think he's saying? He's saying what every adopted child goes through. There's some abandonment. There's some rejection. David's life is full of rejection. His brother rejects him, and now he comes back with the greatest prize of all. He has the presence of God. He breaks every Levitical law because he no longer opens up the, the ark to the high priest only. He opens it up to everybody in Israel. This is what was designed to be at Moses' day that the people of God said, no, you talk to Moses, we're not going to talk to you. And then the law came. David's day, he breaks all the law and all the people 24 hours a day get to worship Jesus, get to worship the Lord, get to have relationship with the Father. They have access themselves. Isn't it no wonder in Acts, and he says, when we turn to the tab, we return to the tabernacle of David, you will know then. He didn't say tabernacle of Moses. He said tabernacle of David. Why? Because that's where everybody gets access. It's where we are today. There is no high priest in the, in the earth that has to take you in and get your sins forgiven. We have a high priest. His name's Jesus. And don't you ever substitute anybody for his place. He is the man. So the enemy uses Michael, who lost her relationship with God, to do what? Set David up. He couldn't take him down with the tragedy of Uzzah's death and getting the ark the first time. He got the ark. He got the presence. 
all of Israel's blessed. In the middle of that process, he loses the love of his life because she does not value what he values. God. She's already devalued him. She's gone the route of her daddy. How's this a setup? Now, this is the part I can't promise you. I can't guarantee you. I know how the enemy works, but I can't guarantee you what I'm about to say to you doctrinally is right. I can't prove it in Scripture. But I can tell you this. Four chapters from this point, Bathsheba showed up. Four chapters earlier, the enemy set him up to do what? To use the portal or the access place in his heart that is the softest. It's where the most wounding has happened. It's in rejection. And in that rejection, he happens again four chapters later. He's set up for Bathsheba. Why isn't he out at battle? Because he's on the rooftop depressed. Where did that come from? My personal opinion, not doctrine. My personal opinion, it came from losing the love of his life. He loved that little girl. And that opened his heart to stumble. Because he couldn't take the most tender place of his own life to his daddy and say, my whole life's been filled with rejection. Can you heal this? He held it. Everywhere I go, doesn't matter what I do, I get mis misread. I get misjudged. My motives are always on, on, on call. I just wanted you. And that's the portal he took David down with. He has a legitimate need to be loved, nurtured, and accepted, and it just didn't happen. He knows where you've been. He knows how your parents acted. He knows what your siblings did. And if you allow him to use that portal, he'll take you out. That's what he's after. You see a clear picture of what he's doing? He'll use tragedy. He'll use misunderstandings. He'll use a thoughts of others, how you can value that, or he'll use hurts to come get you. What he didn't know about David is this man had a heart for God so much, even after he has an affair with Bathsheba, even after he kills her husband, two horrific things. He knows more about the grace and mercy of God than anybody in the Old Testament. And he finds the love of God overwhelm him. And those two have Solomon. I don't care where you find yourself tonight. I don't care if you find yourself in a place where the devil has used hurts or he's used the popularity of people or he's used a tragedy or he's used a misunderstanding to steal your relationship. I don't care if he set up camp in your heart and you got all kinds of things happening in your body. I'm telling you this, the love of God will overcome it all if you'll bring it to him. That's the way it works. And David went back to God and said, I messed up. I'm sorry. But I know you're more loving than anybody in all the earth. Heal me. He paid a high price. 
It never cost him his relationship forever, though. I see many people check out at this point and never come back. And the enemy's got them. And their entire inheritance was stolen. You see it? It's clear. David is a man after God's own heart. Through it all, he stood the test of time. And when it was all said and done, he had a big old party in heaven. Identify what the devil's trying to do. Identify his plan. Identify how he's trying to work in you. Maybe, maybe you got nurtured well. Maybe you got loved well. Maybe you've never been rejected. Maybe you've never not, maybe that's not the spot. Maybe it's another spot. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's fear of failure. I don't know. But I'm telling you this. He knows. And that's what he'll use if you let him. All right, stand with me. I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes before the Father. And I want you just to personally ask him a question. Is the enemy using any area in my life to steal from me right now? Bad? Is the enemy stealing from me right now? Is he using basic needs that weren't fulfilled, legitimate needs not fulfilled, or fulfilled in illegitimate ways that I can get fulfilled in you? Ask him. And I want you to look on the face of God and see that beautiful smile that says, I love you. I'm not mad. I'm not rejecting you. My arms are open. Run to me. Run to me. So what? You've had some failures. So what? You got knocked down. So what? You stumbled. Big deal. Get up. Run to me. I'll heal that hurt. I'll help you. Run to me. Who's in the room tonight that you need to run to the Father tonight? You've got a place that you stumbled and you fell, and the enemy's stolen something from you, and you want to go back and get your inheritance back, and you want to live again. Who's in the room that has that? Raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Dad, every hand represents a heart. The enemy is real. He's playing for keeps. Rain down on your kids' hearts. Heal our broken hearts. Restore our inheritance on this earth. We want it. We want you. We don't want to give it away anymore. I ask you to do it in the mighty and beautiful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.